Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back. This is Jim Oliver, your host, and I'm really excited today. I've got a guest that you guys are all going to love, and uh, he's got some great books that I've been reading, um, has made a big difference, and just a great message. Steve Yastro. Steve, welcome, bud. Hey, thank you, Jim. Hey, Steve, just give us a little rundown about you and uh, where you live, your family, and kind of your background. Well, thanks, Jim. I'm here in the Chicago area, beautiful Lincoln Park few blocks from Lake Michigan. I run a consulting firm, Yastro and Company, and I've written a number of books that basically help companies connect with their customers and make more money by earning commitment from both customers and employees. And uh, I live here with my wife, got three grown kids, play a lot of guitar when I'm at home and um, love working with my clients and doing the things I do. Got a nice little life here. That's awesome. You know, you say the the guitar. I, I've had three guitars in my life, Steve. I've tried to learn how to play the guitar, and I've come to the conclusion that I just do not have the the. My brain does not work that way, apparently, because I've not. Uh, um, I think "Heart of Gold" is about as close as to uh, uh, any song that I could even halfway get through. So, um, first that, that's song a, I learned seventh grade. <laughs> First song I learned. Is it really? Yeah. So that's the first song I learned too. And maybe when I was in, I think it was in high school or maybe it was in junior high when I tried to learn how to play the first time. And so my brain probably had enough, uh, uh, elasticity. I think is the right word that I could get, to, get to uh, heart of gold, but I could not, There you go. it's as far as I could get. So so I, I, I play a lot of jazz and you know, jazz uh-huh. is based on improvisation and, and I'm just so fascinated by the concept of improvisation and, and I've, I've really brought it into my business. So the, you know, the last book I wrote, Ditch the Pitch, is all about how do you improvise and you sell. And so there's this big overlap for me between my, my love of music and improvisation and what I do in business. That's been kind of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely, that was the first book of yours that I read and, and I, and I loved it. I've been using it with my team and, and I want to talk to you about specifically some of the messages in that book, but let's just talk first about coaching. You know, this, this, sure. um, this podcast is for people that want to break away from the herd. So whether that's financially, just emotionally, mentally, just like stop mm-hmm. acting the way that we're supposed to act and we're, and we need to build our wealth in a different way. But, you know, for people to make change, they, they've got to have confidence and they've got to have understanding. And I always say knowledge does not equal understanding, but the way that you get all of that is you got to have a coach, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what's so interesting is that humans all have their specialties. You know, if we were, if we were squirrels, we'd all do the same thing. We'd collect acorns, right? But we're not, we're human beings, we all have our specialties. And, and so therefore, when you can reach out to people who can coach us and help us, that allows us to, to earn the wisdom and gain understanding and get help from people who focus on other things. And what's so interesting, you know, one of my friends I was talking to yesterday, we help each other out because we have different specialties. So I think it's wonderful to have coaches. We take advantage of the diversity of human experience and talent. You know, that that's, that's another thing I, you know, uh, when you and I spoke last week, I just, uh, 
really feel in sync with uh, my beliefs and, and your beliefs on on so many things. And, um, you know, that collaboration is just amazing. You know, in our company, we talked about uh, last year, it was who, not how. Now we, we didn't create that. We, we got that from a, from a podcast message, but, but what that means to me is, you know, who else, who has different skills than you do? And, and we're taught as like, in school that we have to take individual standardized testing to see what our potential is or, you know, what school we're going to go to. But then we get out of school and we're not allowed to collaborate in school. That's called cheating. Right. And then we have to learn to collaborate. But, you know, we're, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't learn the value of coaching, which I did just playing sports in high school, but, um, you know, it's it's interesting. That's that's great that you guys could collaborate and have different skill sets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, collaboration is is key. We all know that, right? I mean, even it's finding coaches, but also building your team. I, as I built my team, I have people who are good at things that I'm not as good at, and and it's important to be able to not only do that, but be willing to take their advice and not play boss. So this happens in a coaching situation and in a work setting too. Yeah. You know, it's a account, you know, I always think of coaching too, as accountability, you know, maybe talk about do people resist that in the beginning? I mean, are most people that come to you, they're ready to be held accountable. Well, it's interesting because I find as I choose my clients, because like a lot of the you know, most of the clients we work with are privately held mid-sized companies, and uh, I'm working often with owners or senior executives who who have a stake in the in the success of their companies. And I think that's one way I choose my customers. If I'm working with somebody who they really have a lot at stake based on on um, on what's uh, going on in the company, then that's a, that's a great thing. So that that really counts. So. Um, what I find then is that when you find certain people are accountable and certain people aren't, the trick is to focus on, I like to work with those people who will be accountable, who can make it happen, who can, um, invest in the future of their company and have a lot at stake there. So, you know, basically I'd say I choose my clients based on who is going to be, um, accountable and who isn't, you know, that's basically important for me because if somebody isn't be accountable, then you're just being, you know, then you're just servicing somebody. It's like, you know, when somebody brings their car into a, um, uh, a, a shop to get repaired. The car doesn't have to do anything, right? The mechanic goes and works on the brakes. The car doesn't have to participate. In a coaching relationship, it only works if the person being helped participates and is account- held accountable. And a good coach is going to hold somebody accountable. And a good um, person receiving coaching is going to recognize their obligation to to do the work to make it happen. You know that that's a great point, and it makes me think about. Um, Tim Grover, um, Tim Grover wrote a book called relentless and he was Michael Jordan since you're, you're in Chicago, um, is he was Michael Jordan's trainer. And, um, you know, he talks about Michael Jordan being in this category that he calls a cleaner that, you know, Michael Jordan didn't prepare for other people they prepared for him, right? He didn't say, Hey, I got, I got Larry bird tonight. So I better make sure that I, you know, study Larry bird. No, he, he was just at a different level. But the one thing that what you made me think about right there is after the game, um, Jordan would just tell Grover five, six or seven. And that meant what time they were going to be in the gym in the morning and, and doing (laughs) the training. Right. So, um, you know, he, 
he, you know, that, that was the only question he, he would ask Jordan five, six or seven. And Jordan would say, you know, whatever, whatever time. And, uh, I thought that that was really interesting that he, he was holding him accountable, but Michael Jordan, you don't have to motivate him. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you just, you just have to, you just have to let him know, Hey, what time tomorrow? Right. And, yeah, and he's right. ready to, he's ready to go. So, uh, not, not everybody's Michael Jordan and not everybody stays in that, that cleaner mentality there in all of the roles that they have. Um, if they did, we, you know, I mean, a lot of those people are called, uh, you know, words we probably won't use on this, uh, on this show, but they're, they're not, they're, they're kind of, people think of them as jerks at times, you know, Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, but you know, they're so focused that they probably are. And that doesn't bother them to be called that right. Is cause, cause they, they're, they're just trying to win. But when, when we're communicating with our clients, I love what you said about ditch the pitch. Talk a little bit more about, you know, when I was, I'm 54, when I got started in business, I learned pitches. That's what they taught us, right? It was the Tom Hopkins. How do you, you know, this is how uh -huh. you sell. And, and I, it took me a long time through my twenties and thirties to realize that's not how you sell. So talk a little bit about that, Steve. Well, and the reason it's not how you sell is because it's not how people buy, right? When, yeah. you know, I, 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 I've never met anybody in all my years who, who likes to be on the receiving end of a sales pitch. And my guess is nobody, nobody on this, uh, listening to this podcast likes to be pitched. So let's start with the fact that it just doesn't work. If you're pitching, a number of things are happening. First of all, your customer, your prospect is probably zoning out and distracted because they got 147 emails in the last two hours. Statistics show that in a typical day, an American's bombarded with 5,000 marketing messages. If you're pitching and monologuing, they're probably not paying attention. Secondly, they're probably in a defensive mode. And they feel they're being sold. And third, the odds that when you decide to pitch them is the right thing for that customer is probably about one in a billion. So let's face the fact that it doesn't work because it's not how people buy. And as you mentioned, we're taught to pitch because the model of sales we've learned is let me tell you about my stuff and then get your feedback and see if you want to buy from me. It's like the output comes out of your mouth before you get input from your customer. What we teach in Ditch the Pitch is to flip that around. Input comes before output. You know a sales call is going really well if the customer's talking more than you. And there's, there's there's, there's, you know, there's many reasons for that. You know, you want to, one thing we teach in Ditch the Pitch is turn every presentation into a conversation. I did a webinar for a large real estate organization yesterday. We had hundreds of people on this webinar about Ditch the Pitch. And I said, my hope is that none of you on this call ever make a sales presentation again. And I said, that I never want you to make a sales presentation again once you have sales conversations because that will engage your customer, keep their interest, and also think what you're doing then. You're gathering information. Customer knowledge is your best competitive advantage. The more the customer's talking, the more you can use what you're learning to create, improvise, personalize the right conversation for that customer at that moment. So it works because this is how people, this is how people buy. You know, it's funny because when we work with somebody at Create Tailwind, um, this is what we say is that, you know, we're just going to educate you about this concept of infinite banking until you come to us and say, Hey, this is not for me or it is for me. Like you're going to be the one that decides whether we stop or move forward. And, um, and there's no like call to action at, at any point in time. So it's, it, and I think sometimes people, when they first, 
uh, start working with us, they doubt that a little bit because they're not used to that being the approach. But the first thing that we do is is talk to them about what do you know about mm-hmm. money, right? And mm-hmm. and tell mm-hmm. us what mm-hmm. you know about money. And I I use Monopoly as an example because. You know, when most people play Monopoly, Steve, they look at the side of the board to see who's got the most money, you know, under the board, right? And mm-hmm. um, and they're playing to have mm-hmm. fun. You know, it's it's normally maybe a family game or or whatever it is. But um, there's only one rule of Monopoly that matters, and it's four houses equal a hotel. And if I'm playing Monopoly mm-hmm. to win, and you're playing Monopoly to have fun, and I get hotels on my properties, which I'm going to. I'm going to take all of your properties and bankrupt you and I'm going to win the game. Well, yeah. That's really what happens in life. Right. So, so we got to find out like, what do you know about money in real life? Because we're not taught that. Right. But we're not taught. We're, we're taught and we're taught to memorize information in school, but we're not taught to um, take some of the skills that you're talking about and put them into practice and, um, you know, if you just took ditch the pitch and, 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 uh, and use that as, and maybe you do use that as your coaching platform, I mean, you, you would transform probably every business that, that wasn't using those concepts. Well, yeah, because it's like, if you think about why, um, you know, there's a number of things. I mean, the reason you said you got to let people come to you is that we can't force anybody to do anything in this world. You know, we convince is a word you need to take out of your coaching and sales vocabulary. Persuade is different because persuade is about getting people to act. And, and, you know, like I, I wrote in my first book, Brand Harmony, I said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them think, you know, a little play on words is that yeah. we can't make people think things. We can only interact with them as human beings to human beings and help people come to conclusions on their own. And that happens with coaching and with sales. And so part of the idea is like when I think of a concept like ditch the pitch and how it plays into the whole way we interact with people is that when I look at the way most marketing and sales communication is done, it's pretty unnatural. I mean, the idea of mass advertising, which, you know, sort of became the model of advertising. And then I know now we say, well, it's different with social media, but let's face it, most people's social media, most companies' social media is just broadcasting on social media platforms. The idea of just broadcasting a message out or giving a sales pitch, those are very unnatural examples of human communication. So what I try to do is recognize, wait, we're still human beings interacting with human beings. So a concept like ditch the pitch is a very human way of communicating. Let's take rich human communication as our model, not something unnatural like PowerPoint decks or, or, um, you know, or, or advertising and, and think about how do we interact with the people interact with people in the natural human way. You know, we, we invented language as a species at least 100,000 years ago. Anthropologists disagree. Let's say it was 100,000 years ago. We got a lot of practice conversing with each other. We're really, really, really good at it. 100,000 years we've been having rich conversations with each other. PowerPoint's been around for what, 30? You know, and so the <laughs> idea that, that presenting to people with a deck is like, no, that's such an unnatural way of communicating. No wonder people zone out. No wonder people's conversion rates suck. And so you've got to realize that you are still human beings interacting with human beings and help people come to the conclusions that will make them want to do business with you. And you do that through an engaging, interactive, rich, natural human dialogue. And that's basically the, the foundation of why it makes more sense to ditch the pitch than it does to give a sales pitch. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how do you, like one of the things that we say 
when we're talking to somebody about their money is sometimes Steve, people mm -hmm. don't realize that they have a problem, right? If you oh, don't realize oh, yeah, that you have yeah. a problem, then, you know, if you didn't go to the doctor and find out that, that you, uh, um, had high blood pressure, you wouldn't know. That's why it's the silent killer, right? Is, right. is there's no outward. So if you don't know you have a problem, so you have all your money in a qualified plan or something and the government controls it and you think, well, that's what everybody else is doing. That's, I mean, that seems natural to me. Well, if you don't realize the problem, then, then you, then you, then you don't think you need a solution. So, so how do you, how do you tell people to communicate that problem? As you're saying that, Jim, I'm thinking if, if customers understood their problems, every salesperson in the world would have a conversion rate four times what they have now. And I made up that number right. of four, but it's two, cause I don't know, but it's like the point is think about that. If how often do people who are selling, you know, the challenge is my customer doesn't see that they're, that they're ill, that they've got pain. Right. right. And so, so the way we approach that and ditch the pitch is again, you know, the typical sales method is let me give you a PowerPoint deck that tells you all the great things about my company and maybe we'll point out how we help customers and then I'm making you as the customer do the work of connecting your problems to my solutions and you might not even know you have that problem. The way we address that with ditch the pitch is through our, our, our process. There's these six ditch the pitch habits that we teach salespeople to learn that help them, um, that help them. Uh, really engage with customers. And one of them, habit number four, is called explore and heighten. And the whole idea of explore and heighten is you, as you're talking with somebody and having a dialogue, you will inevitably discover something your customer cares about. And as you do that, you start asking about the thing that they really care about. And of course, human beings are naturally interested in talking what they care about. So you earn more engagement from your customer and you start exploring. And your customer starts to, as you heighten the conversation, you start to go into territory with them as you're conversing and probing that all of a sudden they will often have those, wow, I hadn't thought of that moments. And you know, when you're selling, if, when your customer has an, I hadn't thought of that, that moment, you've struck gold. You're helping them. They're discovering what they need and they're connecting your ability to help them to that realization they've just had. So one of the goals is to help your customer discover what their problems are because they don't know. They just don't, they often don't know what, 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 uh, um, what, what's ailing them because they, they just, they, you know, everybody's got their own perspectives as we've said. And so you're helping them discover those things. Uh, that, it's a very collaborative sales approach. And it's, you know what, and as the, as the person, as the coach, as the, whatever you would, cause you know, I always hate to think of it as a salesperson. Cause when I think of a salesperson, I, I said this to somebody the other day is I'm looking at cars cause there's a lot of uh, good deals out there right now. Cause uh, mm -hmm. cars aren't moving and everything. Right. Sure. And, um, so I, I, I said, Hey, can you just give me your best and final, um, you know, best and final price on this car? And this is through email with this dealership here in Southwest Florida. And the guy comes back and he's, um, you know, he's, uh, maybe like 2% off of the sticker. And I said, okay, thank you very much. I'm going to go in a different direction. Um, you know, I've got, uh, other dealerships I've been communicating with that are in that 10 or 12% discount range, uh, then all of the incentives. Right. And, uh, so he comes back and he says, well, what were you thinking? No, no, I already told you, I'm, I asked you for your best and fine. I mean, that was your best deal, right? I mean, mm -hmm. either that or you lied to me. I mean, I, I asked you very, very politely just to give me your best price. I mean, if, uh, 
if you're not going to do that, then okay, then I've decided I don't want to go in. You know, if that's your best price, it's that's not acceptable to me. I'm going to go in a different direction. And so he says, well, what do you want your payment to be? Did I say I was going to have a payment? Like, you know, it's it's like those games. And I always think it's really funny. And I did this uh, for most or the the early part of my adult life is we go to the salesperson and we ask them to educate this on on the card and educate them, uh, educate us. We ask them to educate us on what's the best way to buy the car. Now, Mm -hmm. that seems like we're going to a, uh, to a, um, a knife fight with a, with a butter knife. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, like we need to educate ourselves. So if as a salesperson, when I talk to somebody, I'm just trying to educate them so that they can tell me what they want to do. You know, I mean, if, if I understand how money factors work and financing work and lost opportunity costs when I pay cash and, and all of these different mm-hmm. things, when I buy a car, then I don't have to ask the salespeople person the best way to buy the car. I'm just trying to get the best price. What what are you willing to sell that car for? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to know. And and it's uh but what's funny is these people are trained to do something else. And so when you just ask a very straightforward question, they don't know how to they don't know how to give you an answer. Uh which is kind of sad because um you know, it was like they were never in the game. So when I think of uh, working with people and, and, and when I uh, think of ditch the pitch is you're right. It's just having these conversations and saying, you know, what's important to you about that? Like what, you know, um, well, Hey, I got my 401k, man. I just lost a lot of money because of this, this virus and the market. And, um, you know, and, and I'm worried about, you know, well, tell me about that. I mean, well, I'm worried about, am I doing the right thing with my money? Well, let me ask you some questions, right? Is, is our taxes going up or down? They're going up. So why would you want to defer them? <laughs> like, right? If or uh, are the are the dollars in your pocket worth more today or in the future? Well, today because it's because of inflation. And if you were going to pay tax, would you rather pay it on the seed, the money going in, or the money coming out? Well, people don't realize that their four hundred one k violate they violate all of those rules. So. Mm-hmm. You know, is there as a medium sized business like you talked about a better way, a better way to put money away for the future to live off of instead of having to go to work for the, um, for your money? So I, I really love and appreciate that approach that you're teaching people. What are what are some of the platforms that people can learn? Obviously, we, and we're going to tell them here in a, uh, in a few minutes how to get the book. But Steve, what are what are some platforms or how do you coach people? Do you coach people virtually or how does that work? Well, it's a great question. Thank you for asking because there's a number of ways to do it. I mean, obviously, you know, there are companies who hire us to go in and work with their salespeople, but that doesn't work all the time. And a lot of salespeople, let's face it, have personal responsibility for their own professional development, right? A lot of companies, salespeople are, are left to their own devices to figure out how to get trained. So what we do is we've got a an online course which works really well. And, and the way it works, the reason it works well is this, is that to develop good habits, good sales habits, like any habits in life, you need to practice them. So as I mentioned, Ditch the Pitch is set out in these six habits that, that, that you, as you practice them, each habit has three practices. It's really straightforward. For example, there's one habit called think input before output. One of the practices is called stay less to notice more. We actually have salespeople practice talking less and it's amazing how it works. So there's these 
set of set habits and practices. This online course we do, it gives people seven weeks, an introductory week, then one week per habit to practice ditching the pitch. And it works beautifully because it's, it's what happens is when they do that, they get this chance over a number uh, a time to start assimilating these habits and bringing them into their everyday everyday work. And so it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful approach that helps people do that. And so um, what we're also finding is that we 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 had in fact just yesterday a lot of people were buying that program because as people are home now, yeah, we're not in person with our co- customers all the time as people are in this coronavirus lockdown here in April, on April 10th of 2020, when we're recording this, but, um, but, um, you know, and, and uh, I know people will be listening later, but the fact is right now, what a time to, to work on your professional development. People are having rich, robust phone conversations with customers, practice ditching the pitch. So we find that people are, are buying into this idea of, um, of, of doing this online work uh, with us right now in a big way. They can, go, they can go to yastro.com, Y-A-S-T-R-O-W.com, and it's 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 right there for people to uh, to to buy into it. And we're actually, right. you know, just we're actually we actually lower the price on it because I really want to. I mean this sincerely. I want people taking advantage of the time now to be working on themselves. So we decided let's go for volume and let's get more people taking the course and make it affordable so that people can be learning these principles. Just makes me feel really good to know that people are out there ditching the pitch. When I get when I get emails from people that tell me they just closed the sale because they were using ditch the pitch principles, it like makes my day circulated around my team. It's so much fun when that happens, which happens pretty frequently. That's awesome. And you know, we're all in sales. I don't care what you're you know, if you're a doctor, you're still selling something, right? You're we're all in Everybody sales. Is persuading. Yeah, we're yeah, well, exactly. Know, we're we're creating a value proposition, hopefully, for something that we provide in people's lives. You know, I, I, I said this to somebody the other day, most of the people that I help learn to ditch the pitch don't have the word sales in their business card. Of course, we work with a lot of people who are you know, yeah. dedicated salespeople, but most people, everybody needs to persuade in their job. I mean, I've worked with people who have to persuade people within their own companies, you know, yeah. other departments to do work. We've taught them ditch the pitch principles, but most of us, you know, most of us don't have the word sales in our business cards. We still have business cards, but we have, we all have to persuade. And so, um, you know, I think of examples, like just think of, a, of an example, a lawyer, right? Guys get into lawyer, law because they want to be lawyers, but then they find out the tr- secret to success is how well you can sell, not how good you are at drawing up contracts. Because you look at the most successful lawyers and they're great at building relationships and selling. So I find that a lot of people, if they learn these principles, their core job they do can be so much more successful and their career can be so much more rewarding. Everybody's yeah. got to sell. You know, it's funny because it, I have a great example of that this week is um, one of the companies that I own, we um, refurbish and resell uh, televisions. And we got this customer that bought, I don't remember if it was 500 or 1,000 televisions. We, we sourced them, we got them in, and then yeah. he canceled the order, right? So right. now my CFO was out figuring out who would buy Uh these TVs, right? Well, that's selling. He's selling those TVs or this opportunity to buy these TVs at an an incredible, and it went great. He was like, Hey, got my first sale, you know, and as the CFO, (laughs) right. And, uh, and, and, and it was with a company that is selling a lot of stuff online during this, this time. And, and it was a win-win for everybody. Um, and you know, the first reaction, you know, which again, if you're, if, if you're, if you're selling the old school way, when somebody says no, or they want their money back, you have this, this, um, 
you know, this fear or anxiety, like, uh Oh, now we have all of this stuff that we have to pay for, but we don't have anybody to buy it. And, um, and in the, the right way is this guy said, Hey, I'm going to give, call this, this, uh, customer that's already a customer mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to take these 500 or a thousand TVs and, um, and it, which is going to be a good deal for them. And they don't normally buy that many. So it was that, you know, the pricing was what they're normally at like 50 to a hundred. So they're, they're blown away by the pricing and we were blown away that they had the capacity to do that. And our salespeople didn't, didn't know that, or they didn't, they hadn't gotten them to that many TVs. So uh, once we explained the opportunity, they created the scenario on their side that they could move those TVs and um, make it uh, a good deal for their customers as well. So, um, you know, I love, I, I love that. So did, how do I, cause I think that if you're, if you realize that you're in sales or you're out there, ditch the pitch is definitely a book that, it's really easy to understand. It's, it's very clear. The six habits are, it's, it's, it's like, uh, the old book, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. When you see these six habits, you're going to know that these are habits that you can implement and, and put into place. So would they go to yastro.com to get the, um, books as well, Steve? Sure. We have the books available on yes.com and an audio book of Ditch the Pitch. And there's an ebook also. And of course, awesome. they're available through the normal channels, Amazon, Audible for the audio book. You can find Ditch the Pitch in all the normal channels too. Just Great. Ditch the Pitch or yes.com. And, and I just want people to access these ideas. So I don't really care whether they buy them. I just want people to be ditching the pitch because, um, you know, sure, it's our business. I like when people get books, but I got to tell you, it has been so enjoyable to watch people succeed with ditching the pitch that it's it's been one of those opportunities for me to have a part of my business that I know really benefits people, and that's what kind of makes it worthwhile getting up in the morning. You know, when you know you're you got something that's helping people succeed. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, one of my favorite books is uh, The Go Giver, and uh, you definitely have the Go Giver attitude, Steve. So um, I really appreciate that and recognize that when I see it and. Uh, Thinking of books, give us one, two, or three books. I mean, obviously your books, and I, I highly recommend your books too. And I've got all three of them, and I recommend them to the audience. And um, I ditch the pitch. Just really, I love simplicity, and I love uh, uh, the format of the six habits. So, um, but other than your books, what are some books that you would recommend everybody in the audience, or or, or a book that's made a huge difference in your life? Well, it's so interesting you ask that because somebody asked me to do a list of my favorite business books. This is a couple of years ago. And I actually chose a history book. It's one of my favorite business books. There's a book called The March of Folly by Barbara Tuckman, who's a fabulous writer. You know, she wrote a great book on World War One called The Guns of August that actually JFK kept boxes of them in his office to hand to people that showed how uh-huh. the world stumbled in that war. Her book, The March of Folly, is a wonderful set of business lessons that are very timeless because she goes through history of different governments and entities over years who have made decisions that were that they should have seen were bad for them. For example, like King George messing up dealing with the colonies. She talks she talks about America and Vietnam. She talks about things deeper in history than that. Um, and like when the Incas let the Spanish invaders, you know, three hundred and fifty of them like beat millions of them, bad decisions. And so what you realize in that book is that we often 
are blinded by our preconceived notions about our work and our business, our situation. And because we're blinded by those things, we make decisions that in hindsight are so clearly bad for ourselves. You know, similar to Ditch the Pitch, you got to get rid of your preconceived notions. You need to walk into every situation with an open mind and make sure you're not telling yourself a story. So I thought, I, I just recently, you know, as I mentioned a couple of years ago, I said to somebody, one of my favorite business books is actually that history book, The March of Folly by Barbara Tuckman, which is a, 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 uh, a wonderful book. And I'm also that's, just that's finishing awesome. a book called, called Behave by this anthropologist, Robert Sapolsky, which mm-hmm. talks about, um, you know, human behavior. And it reminds me of all the wonderful behavioral economic books like, um, Dan Ariely's uh, Predictably Irrational um, and that Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah, really yeah I love that, that book. You know, you know, it's like it's not about people don't make decisions rationally when they buy things. They make decisions predictably irrationally. And so I highly recommend those two books also. Thinking yeah. Fast and Slow and Predictably Irrational. Great books. Uh, um, yeah. Um, you know, I always think about, uh, I love that you, that you said that a, that a history book impacted that because there's sometimes when you when you I like to go back and see what like you said like JFK like some of these uh great leaders what books were they reading right and what were their favorite books and I remember when I was in my 20s somebody referred me to the art of war and the first time that I tried to read it I was you know I kind of just I don't know if I didn't get it or I just got bored with it or it was just hard to, but then I kind of broke it down. I read a different version and it was, and it was like a light bulb went off. And, and so, um, I, the reason I, I guess I got referred to it, I think it was in a movie that I was watching and the guy said, everybody, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, any leader, um, anywhere should read this book. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, so I love, I love that. Uh, I, I love that you're, that you're looking at a history book because, there's um there's a there's a book by C.S. Lewis that he it's like this thing that he kind of goes through this like purgatory story of people that are in purgatory and then they can get this bus to heaven and and it's this uh it's this really cool story and sometimes mm-hmm. just you know sometimes reading a story and it 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 gives you the message in a in a in a different way than reading a uh a nonfiction. Here's how you do something right, and and a lot of those books are are converting the story too. So, um, but I love uh, I, I love when I listen to a story or read a story, and then it's like, oh, that totally that's speaking to me in a different way. So, uh, you know, thinking of that, what's uh, what's one piece of advice that you got that's made you know big difference in your life, or that you, that you that you would say everybody should follow or everybody should consider. Well, let me tie to what you just said about stories then, if you have that question right on the heels of that, which is that one thing I learned that um, that is, you know, so important, like what you just said, is that human beings don't think in fact and facts and figures. We tend to like sell to people by saying, let me give you my proof points and add, like, you know, you add it up and decide what you should buy from me. Realize that people don't think in facts and figures. Human beings think in stories. You know, we invented writing about 5,000 years ago. As I mentioned, we invented language about 100,000 years ago, which means 95% of the time we've had language as a human species, we haven't been able to write things down. How did we have cumulative progress then? Stories. We are so wired for stories. We used our myths, our legends, our folklores to create these shared narratives to help us succeed. So remember that your customers are 
they're, they're, they, they think in narratives. You know, most people can't pay attention to one thing for a minute, but they can pay attention for a hundred minutes in a movie. Why? Because the story engages them. And so when I had that realization, learned that lesson, it was really rich. Don't try to communicate facts and figures to your customers. Help them formulate a story in their mind through conversation that helps them come to the conclusion that working with you makes you better off. And that was a lesson to me that, that was just so powerful um, when I realized that. I, mean, I researched a lot. I think it was in you, Yuval Noah Harari, one of his books, which are just great, his, his Sapiens and Homo Deus. Mm-hmm. He talked about it in one of those books about how human beings don't think in, in facts and figures. We think in stories great lesson yeah remember that always no that's 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 great well steve okay so people uh can go to yastro.com they can go to amazon they get the books check out the online course um i'm gonna go check it out and um like you said i'm focusing on uh personal development where i'm in florida we have a stay-at-home order which i know you do too in illinois and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a hundred pushups a day and a hundred setups and I wouldn't say every day, but at least every other day. And, uh, and I'm also listening to a lot of podcasts and books and reading. And, uh, my wife is, uh, um, she's, she's been making us watch some YouTube channels about reaction and what part of our brain we're using. And, you know, and just if we're having any, you know, our, our girls are here and if they're having any anxiety. And so we're, we're really trying to, you know, make us, uh, uh, you know, develop while we're, while we're stuck at home. And, uh, so it's, uh, you got to make the best of uh, the situation. So any famous last words, Steve? No, I just encourage everybody to, uh, to, um, use this time right now to, uh, work on your business. This is a time to be invested in your future. Um, we're in some rough economic times, but the fact is that many of us are going to do really well. Some people won't, but there'll be a lot of people who do really well in this upcoming economic upheaval, upheaval. And those that are going to are those that are acting now to make solid, proactive, thoughtful, strategic decisions about and action followed by action steps to move their businesses and their lives forward. So, so use this as a chance for growth and thriving. And, and if you're thriving through this, then, then figure out a way to help the people that aren't, whether that's giving money or uh, donating food or, you know, what can you do in your community? You might be donating blood, but you know, I think that, you know, we're thriving through this. And I was just thinking about this this morning, Steve, like, what can we do? Um, I'm thinking as create tailwind as a company, what can we do to give back to the community more? Um, during this time. And, and I see these people that are sitting in line for food and I think, man, that's a scary proposition. And so um, that's one of the uh, things that I've got on my agenda for today is to talk to my wife and my girls to say, what can we do, you know, donate some money to a food bank um, or we can donate some money to a food bank, what, whatever it is so that we can get some some yes. people, some relief. And so if you're thriving, which I hope that everyone listening to the show is, but um, you know, then, then figure out how we can help the people that aren't thriving right now. That's a wonderful message. And if that comes out of people listening to this podcast, that more people get help, that would be in and of itself a wonderful success. So uh, definitely. Absolutely. All right. Till next time, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Steve. I really enjoyed thank it. You, I could Jim. probably talk to you for mm-hmm. forever about this and, uh, and, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on because, uh, I want to, I'm going to go on and do the, the, uh, the course and I'm going to encourage everybody else out there to check that out. 
And so until next time, I'm Jim Oliver. Thank you and break away from the herd. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.